We recap my five favorite picks of the 2023 NFL Draft. That's the focus of today's TDN Daily. And welcome in to the Monday edition of the TDN Daily Podcast. Chris Schuber back with you here once again on the show. Hope everybody's having a great start to their Monday. Hope everybody had a great weekend. Hope everybody enjoyed the 2023 NFL Draft. Yes, it is in the books. We are closing the chapter on the 2023 NFL Draft, but don't worry. You know how it works around here. Draft day every day, the 2024 cycle will begin soon enough. And it felt like, apropos, it felt like the proper way to start off the week to discuss my favorite picks from uh, all three days of the 2023 NFL Draft. The players and team fits and just overall picks that I really, really enjoyed uh, from the 2023 NFL Draft to kind of to close that chapter, to, to, to put an end to the 2023 NFL Draft. Because just because there aren't making picks doesn't mean there's not stuff for us to discuss. So I figured for today, I'd write down my five favorite picks and we would discuss them here on the show. We've got the live YouTube chat going as well. I'm sure they'll have some thoughts on the picks that I have, uh, you know, kind of soft circled. And I'm sure they'll have some of their own that we'll be able to have a conversation about. And whatever else from the 2023 NFL Draft that we want to discuss here uh, on the show. But a lot of fun. I had a great time in Kansas City. Uh, had a great time being in the in the draft atmosphere with the entire TDN team working very hard uh, and having a good time watching the draft and producing some content. You know, it's kind of our Super Bowl every year, uh, but had a lot of fun. It's fun to see everybody, fun to, fun to get together and, and produce some content. You know, uh, being virtual every single day uh, is one thing, but being together in the same room and laughing and bantering and reacting to picks together, it was, uh, it was a lot of fun, and, and I always have a blast uh, on draft week. Uh, sad that it's over, but the best part about this job is that there's always a new draft cycle right around the corner and we will transition soon enough uh, to 2024 here on this show but like I said we're going to close the chapter on the 2023 NFL draft and I have uh, my my five favorite picks from the 2023 NFL draft and I want to make something very very clear here off the jump these are in no particular order okay I have them written down one through five but they're not in any particular order. I think there are probably some picks that I missed from this list. I wrote down the five. And I went through the, the first couple of rounds, and I, and, I, and I wrote down the ones that really, really stood out to me and the ones that I really, really uh, liked. So there might be some that I missed. There might be some that you want me to have on my list. Um, and again, these are in no particular order. We're just going to go in the order that I wrote them down in uh, and allow us to have a conversation about them. So the first one that I wrote down... And it pains me that this is the first one that I wrote down, but it's the one that I constantly think about when I think about my favorite picks from the 2023 NFL Draft, and that is the New England Patriots with pick number 17 after trading down with the Pittsburgh Steelers, allowing the Steelers to come up and get Broderick Jones. They were able to move down, collect more draft capital, and pick up Christian Gonzalez with pick 17 in the 2023 NFL Draft. This is a guy a corner that a lot of people thought could go inside the top 10. A lot of mocks had Devin Witherspoon and Christian Gonzalez going, uh, you know, six and seven in the top 10. A lot of people thought Christian Gonzalez would only be able to fall to maybe 10 to Philadelphia, who could be looking long-term at some corner help. This guy falls all the way to 14. uh, And in my predictive mock, I had him falling to 14 and I had the Patriots taking him. He gets there, the Patriots go, yeah, you know what, we're going to trade back. We feel like we can get some more draft picks. And they trade back a couple of spots, and they still land the guy that I thought they could have landed at 14. And this is, listen, you are now in a division in which two times a year you have to play Josh Allen. 
two times a year you have to play the Dolphins and Tua and Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle. And two times a year, you have to play Aaron Rodgers and Garrett Wilson and Alan Lazard and Mikael Hardman and Corey Davis. And you got to have somebody that can cover Stephon Diggs. You got to have somebody that can cover Jalen Waddell and Tyreek Hill. You got to have somebody that can cover Garrett Wilson because you are going up against some elite top tier quarterback play six times a year. Six of your 17 games before you even know what the rest of your schedule looks like right now are against Aaron Rodgers, Tua Tungavailoa, and that explosive Dolphins offense, and then Josh Allen and the Buffalo Bills. That is the the mountain that this team has to climb, and so it's not a surprise that Bill, understanding maybe where they're at as a team, is deciding to lean into the Bill Belichick way, and they're going to build through the defense. Their first three picks all on the defensive side of the ball. I mean, I know we're just shouting out the Christian Gonzalez pick, but they go Keon White in round two, which I think is a great pick for them, and then they go Marte Mapu, the uh, linebacker safety hybrid kind of player from Sac State. Uh, they kind of had a focus of we got to build this defense up because of the guys that we are going to be facing you know, six times a year. Heldy in the chat says, I wonder if they would have gone Keon White in round one if Gonzo went. Interesting uh, question. I mean, they were very comfortable trading back um, to 17. So they either knew he was going to be there or they were comfortable with however the board was going to fall for them at 17 uh, to get extra picks. What's up, Sam? Uh, Teets in the chat. Um, but yeah, I really like this pick. I think it, it's a acknowledgement of where they're at as a team. It's an acknowledgement of the uphill battle that they're going to have to climb in the AFC East. And it's an acknowledgement of, this is the way that we are going to have to try to beat these teams. We're going to have to be really, really good on the outside and be really, really good uh, with our corner play, and they get a great player. Again, a player that a lot of people thought could go inside the top 10. They got all, all the way at 17 after trading out of their original spot in the first place. So all things considered, I think a great job there uh, by the New England Patriots. Pick number two, and I'm going to scroll to their, their draft class to see exactly uh, with what pick he was selected, um, just to make sure. He was selected with the 13th pick in the second round. The Indianapolis Colts, who, by the way, are going to be on this list twice, so we're going to get both of their picks right now. Julius Prince to the Indianapolis Colts. I think no one is surprised that I found a way to put Julius Prince on this list, but I think the Colts got great value here with Julius. I think they got a great player uh, in the second round. They're building their defense. I thought they had one of the best drafts um, of this entire 2023 draft. Uh, take away the Anthony Richardson pick, right? And just put that one to the side because that's really going to be the boomer bust nature um, of whether or not people look back on this draft class finally, I think. But you with your next four picks, next five picks, next five picks, this is what he did after Anthony Richardson. So imagine if Anthony Richardson is anywhere close to what we think he can be. This is what they did with the next five picks. Julius Prince, Josh Downs, which we'll be able to check that one off the list. That's on my list of my favorite picks as well. So we'll talk about them here together. Blake Freeland, Tommy Adebore, and Darius Rush. That is what they were able to do with their next five picks af after selecting Anthony Richardson. And oh, by the way, they took a ton of you know good athletes in here as well. Athletic profile was the name of the game for Chris Ballard. They added... Will Mallory and Evan Hall with another uh, with a couple of their uh, round five picks as well. So a great draft class overall uh, by the Indianapolis Colts. But to me, there there are two picks on day two. Julius Prince and Josh Downs are are 
I think great picks. Great value on Julius Brents. And again, you need good corner play in the AFC with the quarterbacks and the caliber of wide receiver that you're going to be facing each and every week. So I think that's great. I think Julius Brents uh, is going to very quickly emerge as one of the best corners in that room for Indianapolis. And then Josh Downs. Listen, you want to give Anthony Richardson all the help in the world, you get him a player like Josh Downs. Again, a player that a lot of people thought was going to be mocked um, in the, you know, mocked and have him going in the first round of the 2023 draft. You end up getting him in the third round. I think that is a great, great haul to get a player like that for Anthony Richardson and this offense that you're going to be building. He's got Jonathan Taylor in the backfield. Great running game. That's a great way to help out your rookie quarterback. And then you, you add a pass catcher in the draft. So uh, kudos to Chris Ballard. A lot of pressure on Chris Ballard to, to do this right and to, and, and to uh, hit a home run in the draft. And I don't know how you can't sit here on May 1st and can't sit here in the post-draft era. Now, these players are going to go out and play. We're going to see how well this worked out. But I can't help but look at this and say that Chris Ballard did a fantastic job, all things considered. Again, the pressure on him to get a quarterback, to finally take a quarterback in the draft. Uh, I think he did a fantastic job here being able to, to put this draft class together. But the two picks I really wanted to highlight or the Indianapolis Colts selecting Julius Brents uh, and Josh Downs. Those are two that really, really uh, stood out to me. All right, I've got two more on my list. would love to hear from you in the chat on some of your favorite picks here. Uh, let me get to the team here just so I can see their full class, just in case we want a sidebar to anything else here throughout the course of this conversation. But a day two pick that I want to highlight that I think is a, a guy that you just want to say fits uh, the team identity that with the way that he plays fits with the mantra of this coach and fits with the way that this team wants to play. It's on day two, the New York Giants selecting John Michael Schmitz for their team. I loved this pick. We know that there was rumblings about him being a first-round player. We know there were rumblings of like the, of the Seahawks, the Giants, and the Jets all being really, really interested in John Michael Schmitz. And the Giants are able to get potentially the best center in this draft class, potentially the best interior offensive lineman in this draft class. They're able uh, to, to get him in the back half of the second round. And this is a player that just so fits what the Giants want to do. The Giants and Brian Dable, they're running the football with Saquon Barkley. They... Um, they just have an identity of being physical, of being tough, and they, they just embody their head coach and the mantra that he has. And again, you saw them embody that throughout the course. They played physical. They played tough. They grinded it out. Maybe they weren't the most talented team on the field, but they gave everything. They gave every effort in the world each and every week uh, in order to push that team to the playoffs. Guess what? John Michael Schmidt saw him down in the senior bowl, saw some, some the way he conducts himself in practice, gives it his all in every single rep, firing up his team. Teammates, guys to the left of him, to the right of him. Players that, you know, he may be walking into to Mobile into the Senior Bowl, doesn't know, but he's hyping them up. He's getting them fired up. He's being chippy during practice, trying to, you know, like, all right, let's go. Let's do this. We're going to be the best. You be the best. I be the best. Let's go and, and battle it out. And I think that's going to play very, very well in New York. It's going to play very, very well in that locker room. And again, you got to be able to protect Daniel Jones. The interior of that offensive line was a bit of a concern. You know the bookends that they have with Andrew Thomas and Evan Neal. You know the left and right sides are good there. It's kind of the up the middle that you have to worry about and John Michael Schmidt a great linchpin uh, to the middle of that defense and some people are talking about uh, Deontay Banks is such a good fit in Wink Martindale defense yes uh, listen I don't want to just shout out this pick they had a great I think day one and day two Deontay Banks John Michael Schmidt and Jalen Hyatt I think are great I think Eric Gray adding him on day three was also fantastic but the Giants had a very good first three rounds I think Tuttle with some shout outs here on some of the picks that he liked John Michael Schmidt who we just mentioned Sidney Brown going to Philly Clark Phillips going to Atlanta uh, Tyler Scott to Chicago 
Darius Rush to Indy. Sam's uh, throwing some in there as well. I will tell you guys, the you uh, Tuttle uh, mentioned it. Uh, Sam, you also mentioned it as well. Tyler Scott to Chicago. Where they got him is one that if we had a outside looking in or an honorable mentions, uh, Tyler Scott certainly would be on that list. I think they needed to come away with a receiver for Justin Fields, uh, and they got a pretty good one. A guy that I thought could have gone on day two, um, they end up getting him at, what, 133. They end up being able to snag him, and I think that's a great pick uh, for Chicago and that offense. And Sam points out another one. Again, you want to talk about honorable mention. A player that's probably a first-round talent uh, if he didn't have the injury concerns, Garrett Williams, the Syracuse corner going to Arizona with pick 72. I thought that is a huge win for Arizona, who are undoubtedly one of my winners of the draft from what they were able to do, not just this year, but what they were able to set up in 2024. They are a team that you really need to be keeping an eye on uh, in 2024. Uh, Heldy, his five favorite picks, Josh Downs, Darnell Washington, Nolan Smith, Chris Smith, and Steve Avila uh, are some shout-outs from him. Yeah, guys, I mean, I think these are all uh, great, great choices. Again, I think some teams did really, really well uh, in the 2023 draft. There was a lot of value to be found after night one, and I think you saw teams kind of recognize that and do a very nice job not only accumulating draft picks so that they could get maybe more of these guys but being able to uh, to really really um, you know focus in and, and fill some needs David says uh, the Steelers won the draft I would consider them one of my winners I don't know if I would name them the number one winner um, Michael wants to know how do we feel about our Lions uh, first round uh, let all right here's what we're gonna do here's what we're gonna do we're gonna call it a little bit of an audible let me get this last pick in and then we'll do the we'll do a bit of a free-for-all here when you can ask your guys uh, questions and Sam says Moro Jomo to Philly was unfair agree 100% the fact that he was able to be there at 249 for them uh, a little bit absurd absurd um, all right my last my last favorite and then we'll get into the free-for-all we'll talk about different draft classes things that you guys want my thoughts on um, my last one is what Green Bay did with one of their picks and it is what they did with their their first, second round pick overall. And that is adding Luke Musgrave. You want Jordan Love to be able to succeed. You got to give him the infrastructure. And they certainly did, right? They added Jaden Reed. They took another tight end in, in, in Tucker Craft. Um, they added Dontavian Wicks. Um, this, so they added a bunch of pass catchers. But to me... The, the guy that could come out of this is the best patch, best catcher from this draft class for the Green Bay Packers, that's Luke Musgrave. I think that is an athletic tight end that is really going to help Jordan Love in the middle of the field. They've got Christian Watson to be able to work on the outside. You need somebody that's able to work in the middle, and I think Luke Musgrave provides that for them. So I think for them to be able to get that, to get my favorite tight end prospect in this draft class, to be able to get him uh, for Jordan Love, I thought was a huge, huge win. And they also got Tucker Craft, who a lot of people really loved as well. So they've got two really good uh, tight ends that can thrive in that offense. So, all right, Michael wants to know how we feel about our Lions. Let's pull up the Lions draft class here. I have it on my other screen, and we're just going to go through it here. They went Jameer Gibbs and Jack Campbell in round one. They went Sam Laporta and Brian Branch in round two. They got Hendon Hooker in round three, Broderick Martin in round three, uh, Colby Sorsdahl in, in round five, and Anton Green in round seven. And there is obviously going to be the conversation of positional value and where they went early because with their first four picks they went running back linebacker tight end and safety the name of the game is to draft good players you guys know how we feel about this over at tdn draft good players and they took jameer gibbs at 12 that might be felt a little rich but i think every i mean i know i thought jameer gibbs was a first round player they took jack campbell in the first round linebacker a lot of people thought jack campbell was the top linebacker in this draft class but we also talked about after pick 16 or so that there may not be a lot of first round grades that match up with where we're at in the draft and we said that after a certain point it was going to get weird and after a certain point you were going to see teams kind of take a little bit of a risk on players because after those first round grades run out 
it's kind of a beauties in the eye of the beholder. And so to me, did the Lions draft one of the best running backs in this draft class? Yes. Did the Lions draft one of the best linebackers in this draft class? Yes. Did the Lions draft one of the best safeties in this draft class? Yes, they might have drafted the best safety in this draft class. Did they draft one of the best tight ends in this draft class? Yeah, I think Sam Laporta was in the conversation for tight end three, tight end four, and they got him in the second round, so it's not too big of a reach. And so while I understand the positional value argument, did the Detroit Lions get better at positions of need through the first couple days of the draft? I think unequivocally the answer to that is yes. And so if you want to ding them for the positional value uh, part of it, I can understand that, and that's fine. But I'm not going to look at this draft class and say that they reached on a running back in round one. They took Jameer Gibbs. I think he's he fits exactly the way Ben Johnson wants to run his offense. You don't think Ben Johnson's going to be able to get creative in the way that he uses Jameer Gibbs? Again, the Jack Campbell pick is probably the one that I would circle a little bit more than Gibbs. I don't have a problem with Gibbs and where they took him. I really don't. Um, I think Gibbs was a first-round player. They've got two first-round picks, so they took him after moving around. And, oh, by the way, they took him with his first, their first pick, knowing that they had a second pick. You want to you wanna criticize the Campbell pick? I can understand that, and I can get a little bit on board with that. But I am not going to criticize them for Brian Branch. I'm not going to criticize them for Sam Laporta, and I'm not going to criticize them um, for Jameer Gibbs. Tuttle says, and a shout-out to the Arizona Cardinals for doing right by their franchise. It very well set them up for the next decade. They are set up perfectly to be able to expedite what needs to be a major roster overhaul. Monty Austin Ford has come into this situation needing players all over the place. And not only, not only did they get a good draft class this year, but they set themselves up for great success in 2024. I mean, I think they added at least, at least three everyday starters for them right now. They had a Paris Johnson Jr. Now, where they play him is going to be a question mark, but I think he's an everyday starter for them, every week starter. They got B.J. Ojolari, who I think is going to be a major part of their pass rush, and they got Garrett Williams, who I think, as long as he's healthy, is going to probably be the best corner in that room right now. And that's not to say what could come of John Gaines on the interior, what could come of Michael Wilson as a wide receiver option. I mean, I think just those three picks are going to set up this team for success. And oh, by the way, they've got two firsts next year. I think they've got a second. And then they maybe have two seconds and three thirds. I'll pull up the Adam Schefter tweet of what they're actually. I could just pull up what the Cardinals' um, future draft picks look like here while we're while we're doing the show. Tuttle says really like the players. The method makes people uncomfortable. They got they got better with people they wanted in a draft that was stated to be lacking on high end town all along. I'm assuming Tuttle that you're referencing uh, the Detroit Lions, and I would agree a hundred percent with that sentiment. The method probably makes people uncomfortable, but the players they got, I don't think you can question are are not good players. I think they did well um, in that regard. So that would be where it's hard for me to completely flunk them and to completely give them a hard time because again I think they got some pretty good players uh, they got Jameer Gibbs in the first round I thought Jameer Gibbs was a first round player I mean I don't think anybody anybody listening to this show knows that I thought Jameer Gibbs was a perfect fit for the Detroit Lions so there's some bias here but I don't think that's a bad pick because I think it just makes a ton of sense for what they want to do so let me pull up the Arizona Cardinals future draft picks because we just mentioned all of the all of the Great, great picks that they made this year. Paris Johnson, B.J. Ojolari, and Garrett Wilson are three that are, that I think make a ton of sense. But they've got two ones next year. They have a two. They have three threes. So you have a team that's going to be picking six times on day one and day two right now. And let's be honest here, folks. And I'm going to sound like a broken record because I've said this probably three or four times on various different shows over the last couple of days. But I think it's an, a point worth hammering home. That's assuming the Arizona Cardinals stick in those two spots next year with their pick and then the Texans pick that they've got. There's a scenario where the Arizona Cardinals finish very high next year and they're going to stay with Kyler Murray so they don't need a quarterback, 
So they can trade out of that spot. They can do exactly what the Bears did. The Bears Hall is pretty good, right? Imagine the Bears Hall on top of already what the Cardinals have. The Bears didn't walk into this this offseason with two firsts, a second, and three thirds. They walked into it just with the number one overall pick. So the Arizona Cardinals are set up very, very well, I think, to set up Kyler Murray and the future of the Arizona Cardinals very, very well. Tuttle says the spider webbing from those picks if they keep Murray is insane. Yes. And that, to me, is the big deal. That, to me, is massive. Because you paid Kyler Murray. I think it's very difficult to get out of that contract. Everyone on this show knows my feelings on that. You take that quarterback who you've paid. You build around the, 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 the draft class you just had where you think you got one of your tackles. You got DJ Humphreys and Paris Johnson Jr. You got an edge rush from B.J. Ojolari. You helped out in the corner room. You now get to walk in to 2024 with two first-round picks that you could turn into something. Maybe you want to stay and take Marvin Harrison Jr. because you want a number one wide receiver. Fair enough. But you can then move the other one. You've got at least one pick you can move. And you are going to be picking at least, right now, six times on night one and night two. You don't think there's immediate value to be had for the Arizona Cardinals to be able to very quickly turn this team around? Yeah, I mean, I love it. I, I really love the job that they were able to do. I really love what they were able to accomplish um, all throughout the draft. The 2023 class, I, I give high grades to, but I think the wheeling and dealing to set up 2024 is fantastic. And oh, by the way, they have two fives as well. So they're doing they're doing just fine. Uh, you know, on day three, they've got six, five picks as well. They've got a round four, two round fives, a round six, and a round seven. So they're doing just fine right now in terms of draft capital. Again, we talk about it all the time. Opportunity, opportunity, opportunity. Having this much draft capital sets you up to to take on opportunity when it arises. Sean Wise wants to shout out Dewan Jones to the Browns um, in the fourth round. That's another one that I think was, is good. Dewan Jones, it was kind of a surprise that he lasted on the board as long as he did. And so if the Browns can get a good, you know, if 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 the value there is good, if Dewan can can showcase to everybody, you shouldn't have taken me in the fourth round, you should have taken me in round two, you should have taken me in round three, then that's a great pick for the Browns. That's a great way to help their offensive line and be able to put them uh, in a position to succeed. So we're mentioning other picks um, that we liked. And I think, you know, listen, I didn't put it on the list because I didn't want to be biased, right? I I tried to be fair and objective when putting together this list. But I mean, how do I not use this platform because I had I didn't say it all weekend. I kind of tweeted about it a little bit. Some people mentioned me on Twitter when it happened. Kendra Miller, top 100 player. Kendra Miller, a third round pick to the New Orleans Saints. I tried to tell everybody. I tried to tell everybody that somebody was going to take him in the top 100. It's a good running back. It's a good player. And I love the fit for him in New Orleans. I think in that offense with Derek Carr, I think there's going to be opportunity depending on what happens with Alvin Kamara. We think that there's going to be a suspension for him. Um, So I think there's going to be a lot of opportunity for Kendra. And I'm very, very excited um, to see him there with Derek Carr. I mean, you want to talk about the the most on-brand team of all time for me. That's not the New York Jets. I got Derek Carr and Kendra Miller playing in New Orleans together. Uh, Heldy says, I have a really good feeling about Jaden Reed to Green Bay, and I don't know why. Listen, they put an emphasis on pass catchers in this draft. Uh, maybe it's not necessarily on day one. So when, when they put an emphasis on it and they actually took a swing on some pass catchers, yeah, you kind of notice it. Uh, Michael says, as a Jets fan, do we like the Will McDonald pick? Seems like everyone loves or hates it. Um, I'm indifferent on it. Um, I understand the mentality. I think it's I think it's a pick to solve a problem that's a year away. Um, and I don't know how that philosophy clashes with the idea of trying to go all in for 2023. 
Um, you make the pick hoping that you're the, the GM and the coaching staff that's going to oversee that guy in 2024 because I think you drafted him to be a Carl Lawson and Bryce Huff replacement in a year. Um, they have a pass rush rotation in New York. It's what they like to do. Um, but I think with with all the pass rushers that they have, this is what they have going into this year. They have Jermaine Johnson, Carl Lawson, Michael Clemens, JFM, Will McDonald, Bryce Huff. They have those six guys. To me, next year, Bryce Huff and Carl Lawson are gone, so the pass rush is going to be some combination of JFM, um, Jermaine Johnson, Michael Clemens, and Will McDonald, and it'll be those four. And so they maybe try to address a need a little bit ahead of time. Um, so that's what I think they did. They got to hope that they're the coaching staff and that they're the GM in charge in 2024 uh, to be able to be the, the people that make that decision. Um, and that requires success in 2023. So uh, the Jets class overall, I'm not, I'm not too in love with. Um, I understand what they did. Uh, I understand some of the picks. The Tipman pick I love is probably the only pick that I really, really love. Um, they took some swings late that I think makes some sense. But overall, I don't know if they necessarily uh, – came away with what I thought they needed to come away with um, to feel good about the the, the draft class because I, I think there were some holes that they needed to fill in this roster. Um, you know, I, and I, I didn't think they got there. Michael says, it's not a favorite pick per se, but I love all the college teammates and school packaging that happened. Eagles, Georgia, TCU to Chargers, Fresno State QBs in New Orleans, Georgia QBs with the Rams, yeah. Um, RC says, I wish the Jets had a better draft. Don't want Green Bay picking too high next year. Yeah, well, RC and me both. I don't want I don't want Green Bay picking too high either. I'd prefer, the, I'd prefer if they had the 32nd pick, uh, um, in all honesty. But we'll see. We'll see how that uh, plays out. So that's going to do it for us on the podcast edition of the show. Uh, appreciate everyone who consumed all the content. We had a special uh, weekend edition of the show where I discussed my favorite draft classes. So if you didn't get a chance to listen to that, that's in your podcast feed. There's no video version of that. So you're going to want to check that out as well. Uh, please rate, review, subscribe to the podcast. Uh, join us on the live show, the YouTube version of the show, 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time, Monday through Friday. Uh, you get the post-show shenanigans in there as well. So we're going to continue this conversation there. Uh, I hope everybody has a great rest of their Monday. I will talk to you all tomorrow.